0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? You are on the sidelines with the sideline guys for a very special MMA edition of the show. Today, I'm being joined by my guy, my brother, that is at this point internationally known, right? A man of all cultures, Sean Negron. How's it going, brother?
1: It's going well, bro. It's going well. Another week down, another Hellscape gone. We are pushing through all of the Hellscapes. It's every time. Every week we get through another Hellscape. I just get more and more excited that eventually these will eventually pass. And uh, this this was a nice card. I enjoyed this one a lot. Hey,
0: I'm glad you're excited because I look at it the opposite way. Every one of these that pass, it's like another lash on my soul, right? It's like another... Another chip off the old block, just reminding me just how much better things could be, but will not be. But if we want to look at the bright side here, the best part about it is if you guys want to continue getting amazing content, you can follow us. And the best part about it is my guy Sean has some pretty interesting handles. Why don't you give them to him, Sean?
1: Wow. Nice little segue there. I I like that. Uh, You can find me at seannegron26 on twitter and uh bsreports.org that is my website and it helps people who are trying to get into the sports industry writing content creating editing whatever the case may be get involved and uh whatever your favorite team is your favorite player your favorite sport your favorite anything reach out to me i'll help you get there and get you started
0: Fuck man i'm two weeks late i ain't even put my two weeks in and it's I think bad. that's a very okay.
1: that's a very lenient two weeks there uh, i joined the squad a couple uh a couple a months couple, back
0: couple months ago <laughs> you're right it's like it's like but four it's fucking months at this point It's like, at this point it's reaching four fucking months uh but one day when i, I, I mentioned to
1: you when i mentioned to you hey you think you'll have it done by october you looked at me like damn that was an insult
0: it was because it, like, it was bro
1: it was <laughs> I was like, damn! All right, I guess um, my bad. But here we are. Yeah, bro. I, I deserve.
0: I deserve some. Uh, I deserve a real talking too. So it's gonna happen. It will happen. I'm excited. It's just it, a matter just, of when. It's just a matter of when. You know, it, it right, will it's happen. Like your
1: favorite movie coming out or your favorite video game, and every time you think you're getting close, it's like, oh man, we pushed it back. We're making it better. That's the, that's the tweet we always get. So that's you know, I'm I'm waiting. The hype is gonna be real. So, yes. I'm excited.
0: This is the Grand Theft Auto 6 of making your debut on BS Reports. So, yes, I'm on That's my right. way. And who knows, I might even be coming with realistic uh, cop tracking modifications this time around. But with all that being said, make sure you follow me at Negron MMA on Twitter as well as the TikTok and also on Instagram at Chris Negron underscore. But also make sure you're following the brand at OTS Media Co on YouTube, OTS Media on all platforms with all that being said it's time to get into the good stuff it's time to get into why we're here in the first place right so the best part about it is we're going to be finishing the show covering everything from ufc hellscape 3002 as mentioned by my amazing co-host sean but There's also been a lot of different changes to the landscape of this very amazing world of MMA that we love so much. So it's only right that we talk about all these different things going on in the world of the UFC. And we can start right at the top with all the craziness that dropped in the last couple of weeks. I can't believe how much stuff there is to talk about, so we might as well start hammering these things down. USADA being let go. So to make a long story short, Conor McGregor finally announced that he is actually within the testing pool. And from what I understand, to give a 100-foot perspective here, the UFC never had intentions of letting Conor McGregor fight before being in the in the pool for 6 months, according to the UFC. Now, how true that is, time will tell, right? If he fights before, what would that be? Uh the month of April, right? So if he fights any time before May 1st, in my opinion, um, the UFC is just outright liars, which I'd love to see because that won't be new. Um, But they claimed that there were intentions to never allow him until he got back in the pool. USADA felt like this was a whole uh, public sham where they were trying to defend the integrity of anti-doping across the UFC by keeping him out of the cage. And it became an entire PR spectacle, right? Between USADA, Connor, the UFC. Went went back and forth a little era there. And it ended with the UFC deciding to part ways with USADA. They have since um, changed to a different organization. Uh, I wish I had that on hand, Sean, if you could effort that for me. Uh, But I know that they are having... Uh, a former FBI intelligent worker be the head of this program. Um, so to give a hundred foot perspective on all this, there still will be drug testing throughout the UFC. It will not just be con- commissioned testing, which I think was the best news that I've gotten out of this. Uh, but they will no longer be using the services of USADA. Now, an interesting angle to this while you still work on this, um, A big part of why the UFC felt they needed to move on was they were pouring a lot of money into USADA so that they could update their practices, specifically as far as um, the process for the athletes to register their whereabouts and how they would determine how they would be tested. Apparently, USADA um, claims that all the money they've been getting has either been going through that. Or to testing the fighters when the UFC is saying, hey, we've been giving you all this money in hopes that you can update these systems as well. And it's been business as usual. You haven't updated anything. And we've been pouring all this money into you guys for what? So I think on the surface, this seemed a little bit like a PR nightmare at first when I when I first saw the story. Like, I'm like, oh, they're, they're letting go of the reins. There's no drug testing anymore. Uh, but that's not the story at all. It's just a fallout with usada really uh but sean please cut in here sorry for <laughs> loud mouthing you guys for a minute and a half
1: no no it's good i i actually like that you uh you you explained it really well it's the new point pl- uh new program is called uh jug free sport international that is what the nfl the nba the mlb uh a lot of huge organizations and um sports use this especially across america and across the world so i think usada was once the big i guess the number one right the the big monopoly here but drug free sport has come in and kind of taken over over the last 10 years and uh the ufc will now be joining them along with all the other major sports and uh it shows that is in some trouble there because I think USADA definitely made a lot of mistakes in this one because of how they decided to put out this uh, statement or whatever you want to call it. The, The report that they were ending the relationship with the UFC when it wasn't that the UFC and USADA's contract was ending at the end of the year anyway. And that UFC had already told them that they were going to go in a different direction. And so the fact that USADA had decided to create this narrative with McGregor's name on it, knowing that it would be clicks and views and it would make the UFC look bad and it would, for a good second, make real people really start to believe that UFC was going to go back to the steroid era and, oh, we're not testing anymore. And it, it put UFC in a bad light for a good 24 to 36 hours. So what you saw today was pretty it's pretty childish for one but it was it was very unprofessional um i'm not the most you know like i'm not in the higher ups of the world or anything like that but you know i i can't see a way where any job that i've ever had would use my name to you know throw me under the bus along with another company it just doesn't make any sense and Conor McGregor is the biggest name in mixed martial arts history, and probably always will be. And to use him as a name to create this narrative about how the UFC is giving him the exception, it just makes it so much easier because Usada knows, like the rest of the MMA world knows, that Conor McGregor was once the biggest name. Not the biggest. Not. He is the biggest name. Was once the everyone's favorite. Fighter to everyone's most hated fighter, and now you know people are kind of wishy-washy with him. He keeps telling people he's coming back. He's he's a very creative person. He's he's a little out there, but That's you a know, word he, for it, creative. He, he, yeah, yeah. He likes to say he's coming back. Oh, I'm coming back this day. Oh, I'm doing December. I'm doing this date. And Usada very well knew from the the, the higher ups of the UFC especially when they made the comment that ufc higher officials were the ones saying that he was coming back and they clearly didn't say any of that and they made it very clear in their in their legal statement as well dana it alluded looked, to it though dana alluded to it you can't act like he sure didn't.
0: and conor yes. mcgregor talks a lot of shit, so i don't think it was for no reason like i don't think well, no, no. well the, the thing why was felt that way
1: was uh completely out of bounds but go ahead but yes and I, I agree with you there and i think that was the original plan was for him to get back into the testing pool by april you know may of this year when the ultimate fighter was coming out when he was on the ultimate fighter the whole plan was to have him be ready for first of all it was, for, it was supposed to be ready for the boston card that was the big thing it's supposed to be the boston card where that was the end of the ultimate fighter finale but then he didn't make usada by then so then they said let's try to get it for the end of the year and then that was the original plan so i think though it was always the plan to get him in but when he never made it to uh you know submitting into the usada pool you know dana only knew as much as whatever connor and his team was saying you know and connor probably was telling him yeah i'm gonna do it tomorrow yeah i already filled out the paperwork but, you know, like, I think he was waiting. And I think at, at the same time, I bet UFC has something under their sleeve as well where they knew that the relationship with USADA was going to end. They probably told Connor in a way, hey, listen, we're going to be leaving USADA anyway at, in, you know, at the end of the year. Just wait it out. Um, we'll have a whole new rule, all new system. But I think they kept that under wraps. Obviously, they're never going to say that publicly. But that's what I think happened, you know, to to kind of, make it a win-win for ufc and connor but you know i you, whatever usada did i understand how their feelings are hurt here i get it but still the way they went about it was very very unprofessional and it looks that makes them look so much worse the fact that the ufc covers you know over 25 percent of their revenue so that is a, a big big loss there and the fact that usada has lost has continued to lose more and more clients than gain USADA's in some trouble in the coming years.
0: Yeah, in a lot of ways, I kind of thought USADA was out of the combat sport sports business before they signed with the UFC because uh, a lot of people in boxing for for a long time now have felt like they weren't really competent at doing their job. So, yeah, it, it was very childish the way that the CEO reacted in his statement. I don't know if you read it. Super, like, I don't know, just trying really hard to, to come out in the correct light which is a a funny move for an organization that's about integrity right it seemed like he was trying everything he could do there uh to clear his name before anything bad happened it was it was very strange but uh you sada uh we're glad you're gone in a lot of ways i hope this new testing program is done correctly i really hope that connor doesn't become come back before may because if he does Uh, USADA should sue the UFC for all the shit they've been talking because literally if they talked all that shit and then went on with a different company and then said, fuck it, you could come back anyway. uh, That's a lot of bullshit on on the UFC side. And that's what they try to come after USADA for doing. Right. So time will tell uh, whether or not the UFC's integrity holds up. Uh, But as far as USADA, their record isn't clean. Right. I don't feel bad for them. uh, But Crazy story, right? I didn't really expect it to go out that way. Um, But I'm glad that they're still keeping the drug testing a part of the game, right? That's that's the most important thing. And if it wasn't for the New York State Commission, never forget this. If it wasn't for the New York State Commission, TJ Dillashaw would still be fine without any tainting uh factors to his record because it's not USADA that caught him. It was the New York State Athletic Commission. So... I I could imagine that would that would have been a a point of frustration for the UFC too, right? Like you claim you're doing all these things. Meanwhile, uh, one of the biggest cases, right, as far as MMA fighters being caught doing
1: anything, uh, it wasn't even caught by you. So what are we paying you for? But yeah, no, I uh, I I agree with you. You know, it's it, it it's a good it's a good thing for the UFC to step away from Usada here. I I love the direction that they're heading toward with drug free. They seem to obviously, they, they are now the gold standard of what the testing and drug testing is all about. And I think that's what's most important here. And um, keeping this game as clean as possible is, is the most important. You know, we we could laugh about the, the days of Alistair Overeem and Brock Lesnar and, you know, all those fighters who who've come and gone through the um, testing pool when there wasn't steroid testing it was just a written and and verbal exam are you taking steroids no i'm not all right sounds good just take this and uh take this test and prove to us you're not taking steroids all right sounds great
0: and take this supplement on the way out shout
1: out to the pride days yeah exactly so you know what this is good for the game and uh you know the ufc did say that less than one percent of their athletes are are testing positive they have i think they said over thirty five hundred or something or something like that a lot of athletes that have been on roster yeah Yeah, that's been been on on the roster roster since they started yeah Yeah. so that that's hey listen i'll take that number you know it's a good number and um
0: i don't think it's a good number at all if anything i think there's a lot more people cheating that we don't know about sure i do not think sure this is a drug free sport by any sense absolutely
1: not i think everyone's on it before you know they go back into the pool or not the pool before they get back into a camp i think you know i think everyone's always taking some sort of supplements because and that's fine that's how i that's how i felt for when for me as a you know a baseball fan i always said that they're, everyone's probably doing it until you know the you know you know the drug testing's coming within a certain amount of months or then oh shit, you know i gotta get clean now just so to make the drug oh okay like i get it there are random drug testing in, but i i still feel random drug testing I've seen a lot of situations where in random drug testing you kind of have an idea within like a good couple weeks in advance like that this is gonna happen so uh you kind of prepare yourself for it and there there are other drugs to take to help you uh block off showing the results there's so many ways to cheat cheat it while also cheat it's it's crazy but regardless it's a new move in the right direction, which the UFC just continues to build and continues to grow, and uh, I'm excited for what happens next. I think this is kind of one of those big things that we talk about now, but kind of gets hush-hush Like when we get later on, when who knows what the new rules will be, and how much of it will really play into what happens with Conor McGregor. I I believe Conor McGregor is going to come back for UFC 299. I, I think he's coming back in April, so I just, I, I don't know, but that's just uh that's just my belief i want to bring up something now uh with ufc 294 i think along with the crazy news between ufc and usada that broke the mma world last week i want to bring up obviously everything that happened in 294 we're we're supposed to meet up this week to watch this card it was a completely different card uh the main event co-main going into it we had uh Islam versus Charles Oliveira and Paul Acosta versus Hamzat Shamayev and then all of a sudden we get news that in the fifth round of sparring, you know, during the contender series that in during the fifth round of sparring oliveira right before he's supposed to, you know, get to uh, you know calm it down, get ready for weight cutting, he cuts his I think it I think it was his uh his eyebrow, right? If I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And um He's now out. You know, they couldn't, even with, you know, stitching it up, it's not going to be the same and it's going to be a problem. And he's now out of the fight for the main event at 294. But uh, as, a U- as a UFC fan, as MMA fan, I think we were saved here with the fact how perfect of a replacement fighter you could get. And you're getting the rematch of Islam versus Alexander Volkanovsky. I think that you could not ask for a. Better person to step up on 11 days notice. So, but then it gets even worse for a second because then we find out Paul Acosta had staff, and now he's out. And we were like, "Oh my God, this whole card is going to shit!" Fucking 11 days before, what is going on right now? I can't believe this. But who who would have thought we get this? We get this little five second video from Gilbert Burns showing uh, a kamaru uzman appearance getting in the cage and all of a sudden we're like wait a second is is he trying to hint at something and dana white then comes out later that day saying kamaru is replacing uh paul acosta and we're having hamzat the number four welterweight kamaru uzman the number one welterweight in the world going both going up to middleweight with the fact that adesanya is no one is not fighting for a while with you know sean strickland is the champion now. And they're going to fight for the number one contender fight confirmed by Dana White and also Kamar Uzma coming in on 11 days notice. So I want to hand this to you now with the main and co-main now official brand new. This whole card just got a whole lot better pay-per-view buys are going to be through the roof. How do you how do you feel about the replacements? Do you think that, you know, with these betting odds that are coming out they're they're not as as close as you would think with the names that are there because of the eleven day's notice do you still expect a hell of a ufc 294 or are we looking at something that we may be in for a very lopsided night
0: it's a great question man i have no clue right like we have no clue um i think given both the guys that stepped in i think we're actually in store for better fights if you ask me um with Kamaru, I, I don't think he's someone that ever really gets out of shape. I mean, just fucking look at the guy, right? Like, I don't think he's ever too far away from a training camp. Now, obviously, you need a training camp to fight someone like Hamzat, who has proven to have a fucking hellacious gas tank on top of uh, just a dynamic skill set, right? But... um we've seen kamaru use his cardio as a weapon against other opponents before so i won't be surprised if actually that's the narrative for both of these replacement fighters right volk too volk is someone that is known for having a gas tank and is always able to hit that pedal more than his opponents right so obviously it doesn't help them at all that this is their scenario it 100 percent is a disadvantage i want to make that very clear but just given these two guys i feel like it's a little bit less of a disadvantage than typically Um, but obviously you don't like the circumstances as far as getting as competitive a fight as possible. Uh, but it adds another layer of intrigue, right? Um, I mean, Michael Bisping has shown us anyone could shock the world. Uh, but if any of these guys win, it won't be an upset on that level. Right. So, um, won't be surprised necessarily. Uh, but I I think it's a narrative to watch out for even as the fights play out, right? Because things could be going a little bit differently than we might've thought, uh because of those factors.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I with the names, it sounds incredible. But at the same time, I feel a little feel a little indifferent about it. Um I love I love that the card has turned into what it turned into, especially with the fact that we're meeting up. I we you know we're having a nice group of people meet up. We're going to have a great time. I love that the card is still, you know, as as perfect as you can make it what bothers me is i hope that this islam volkanovsky fight really does show out this you know round 2 i call it the second fight is as good as as advertised here because you never want to see a rematch or a second fight where a fight was so close where it was so good that it needed to be it needed to happen again champ versus champ and you're having the champ now come in on short notice. And I just don't want it to be where it's so clearly obvious that Volkanovsky needed, you know, a six week, an eight week, a ten week camp, not eleven days. And because if you lose here, right, Volkonovsky, let's say he loses pretty unanimous, 49, 46, 50, 45. Even or gets submitted. Volkonovsky's dreams of coming up in the division are basically over. And you'll just see Volkanovsky become you know the featherweight goat, which is not a not something to sneeze at. He's going to be the greatest of all time in that division, but it kind of ends that dream for him for a, for a while at least of coming back up to lightweight. So I love the fact that he's taken this fight, and it's incredible. I just don't want it to be something where we look back in a week from now and go, "Man, I wish he didn't take that fight because he needs me. he you know you need a lot of time to fight Islam. Islam is not something to sneeze at." Same thing with Camaro and, and Hamzat here, where I'm a little bothered by the fact that kamaro and Hamzat are getting this number one contender fight, where both of them are fighting in a division they've never fought in before. Like, who would have thought, right? Who would have thought a year ago, right, we would have the conversation that Kamaro Uzman and Hamzat Shamayev are going to be the number one contender fight in a division that they've never fought in, the middleweight division, to fight the champion Sean Strickland. Who would have thought that? Nobody, nobody. I would have been called crazy and sent in. That's how <laughs> crazy this world and how the UFC is. So, I'm not really the biggest fan of the fact that they're getting a number one contender fight because it gives the it gives this feeling of all these guys who have been waiting, like someone like uh, Drykus or Jiskus, however you want to he gets his shot he beats robert Whitaker. and that was supposed to be the number one contender fight triscus wins that was what they called it dana even confirmed it when that fight happened that that was the number one contender fight triscus wins in perfect fashion you it knocks him out it was beautiful but then Triskus has an injury He or you know whatever they uh, he does have an injury. I don't know what what happened between UFC and Dana and and what Driskus's camp to the point where you know Sean Strickland comes in kind of late notice. Everyone's thinking Sean Strickland's going to get washed. Kind of adds a nice little red ruby to Adesanya's belt, and you know we can talk about it on the highlight reel. The whole UFC middleweight division flips upside down where Sean Strickland wins. The whole division is now foaming at the mouth because it can move again. Adesanya is now taking off, like we're we're going to talk about in a second. The whole world is, you know, like the whole middleweight division is now just adding players, and you know, fight, fighters are trying to jump in. And now you're getting Kamaru and Hamzak coming in here. But what happens with, with what happens with Driscuits, right? Like, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Driscus, You know, I think he's a little on the overhyped train right now. Beating Robert Whitaker is nothing to sneeze at here, like I said before. But I think he still needs to prove. And what happens with him now? Like he, he's like unheard of. You know, he went from being the oh he's gonna get the shot to oh no, we're gonna bring two guys in from the welterweight division. They're the next guy. They're the next shot. So as much as I am excited for this Kamaro Uzma fight too, to get back to the original point, um I don't even know where to go with this, you know. I, I, I think Kamaro is a decorated champion. And Hamzat has been one of the biggest hype pieces of all time, and he's proven it. You know what he did to Kevin Holland by ragdolling him for a minute and a half straight—it's just totally different levels. But Gilbert Burns kind of humbled him a little bit there. And I'm I'm curious about how this fight will go down and how much of uh, how much are we going to be talking about? Oh man, this Kamara is going to match up well against Sean. Oh, Hamzat's going to freaking! Oh, what a great fight that's going to be against Sean. So. I'm a little, I, I'm like 95% excited, 5% skeptical, if that makes sense. I, I, maybe I'm overhyping the numbers there, but it is an exciting card regardless. You know, the main the main card in general is, is, is awesome, but I am curious to see how 11 days notice for someone like Volkanovski and Usman, two legend Hall of Famer champions, how they do, you know, in the biggest spot of them all on enemy territory this time. So we
0: we'll see dude you got me ready to run through the wall for the middle this is what i do every
1: week this is what i do every week if you just give me the ufc theme music with you know their little count ufc countdown and just have me narrate dude i will have everyone running through the wall that's what i do i i i hype up fights and expectations to the point where I always pick the loser or right, and I bet the loser. it just ends up always happening to me. so selling you know yourself what?
0: a dream that's how you know you yeah. that's
1: how you know you fucking made it when you could sell yourself a dream, <laughs>
0: dude I love it and, and yeah, <laughs> exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. It's such a strange situation, but given the circumstance, it makes perfect sense, right like I feel like they could have went in a number of different directions I mean Bo Nickel would have been an amazing one, right but they could have went so many different directions with this and I'm sure it would have been fine, right um but this matchup is a matchup we already thought about, right? It's something that's already been on our mind considering Kamzat was up for number one contendership status after Kamaru lost the belt um, and obviously got the rematch, came short again. It kind of felt like that was inevitable and then unfortunately Kamzat forced to move up and then somehow we still get the fucking fight, which I love. I love that narrative for Kamaru too, right? He gets to get another belt potentially in another weight class if all of this works out for him. And he mentioned before, you know, if Adesanya's at 185, I don't want anything to do with it. And Adesanya just announced he's taking a break. So, the timing is all there for someone who's later on in their career, right? I would imagine this is his would be his final push, right, at a title, no matter what division it is. So, uh, I love that story for him. Obviously, it's not fucking ideal. You got to fight uh, the fucking uh, <laughs> the the hammer of all hammers, right, to get it done. Uh, but I, I, I know he's not scared of this. So, I mean, we'll get deeper into this on our next episode as well with full breakdowns on that. So keep an eye out for our UFC 294, uh, preview show. Um, but something that I think is really important to mention as well, because obviously Volkanovski jumping in on short notice too, that leaves a hole right for UFC 297, which is taking place in Canada. I believe it's in Toronto. Um, What do you think the plan is there? Obviously the hope is, and Volkanovsky mentioned today on Ariel's show, that the hope is to try, no matter what goes on, to still make that date and still fight Ilya Teporia. Obviously a lot needs to fucking go right uh, for that to work out. But if it doesn't, uh, is there anything that sticks out to you as far as answers for this card in Canada?
1: I don't think, I I think it's all kind of talk right now. But I think this card will... uh i don't think this fight will happen to be honest with you i don't i think with ufc 300 around the corner um i think the the push to get have that because whatever happens with volkanovsky here you know it's short notice fight 294 best case scenario he wins this fight i still expect regardless he's going to be put through a brawl i don't expect his face to get completely beat up or you know He's not fighting a boxer or, you know, a, a stand-up or anybody. Uh, that's the, Islam's level, who's just a extremely, extremely good wrestler, grappler. It's, I expect this to be a different type of fight. So 297 is still definitely there. I just don't know if Volkanovski is going to want to, after taking a short-notice fight, and it's in if, if case he does lose, to now kind of rush into another camp against Ilya and put his the other belt on the line. You know, he's going for the lightweight belt at short notice, but I don't know if he's going to want to put his featherweight belt on the line as well, you know, so quickly. So I don't know what they're going to want to do there. Um, there's still a lot of fights that you can make happen for that card. I I still fir- firmly believe that if Okunowski doesn't do it, that you have to make Max Holloway versus Ilya for the, for the interim belt. I would love that so much if, if Holloway gets one final crack of, at leaving the number one contender. I don't even know what you want to call it—the dungeon of never escaping the number one contendership. Like he's always gonna be the number one contender, as much as they want to, you know, put everyone around him to give Volkanovski a different face. He's he's just been stuck in this dungeon of. Just sitting there as a number one contender watching all these people fight in front of him that he's beaten already so elia i wanted and i said this many 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 episodes before that you know the when elia won his last fight i wanted him to go right into max holloway that is the test right there of him versus max holloway i would love nothing more than that fight but I think, you know, with with your face, especially your reaction there, I don't think you agree with me very much so. But I think Ilya versus Max is what they should do for the interim UFC featherweight championship. And I don't want Volkanovski to be rushed in case something bad happens on Saturday and Volkanovski loses again, especially if he loses in easier than the first fight fashion, if that makes any sense.
0: Hey, I don't mind the matchup too much. I'm just not sure how much Max Holloway's wife will be down with anyone going right through Max Holloway. But with all (laughs) that being said, hands down, as far as that matchup goes, uh, it'll be (laughs) one hell of a fucking fight, right? Like, that's a great consolation prize. I said prize. Prize. Uh, Canada loves themselves some max holloway and i'm sure he loves canada back so uh that's a fucking awesome replacement fight and once again just the embarrassment of riches think about what happens in boxing if someone falls out and the replacement they get versus the ufc it just feels like they've got unlimited cards to shuffle back into the deck it's fucking incredible to be honest that we could even consider a fight of that caliber and who knows there could be other things uh, on the on the radar, right? Maybe a Dustin Poirier versus uh, Max Holloway rematch, right? That'll be awesome. To I don't like in there, that at Canada. all. Canada, who knows? I do not like it. Both of them need a fight, right? Who who knows? <laughs> uh, yes. But there, there's a whole lot of different options there. I know that was a super random one, uh, but Canada, no. you'll be fine. If anything, this would be a better card, no matter what, than you guys have gotten in a while. So
1: you can add to that, dude. And, and this is what I forgot to mention for 294 here, is that Gamrot is was should I, I felt. This was a fight. This card was made in the last two weeks. Was made for the fans of getting a big name like Kamar Uzman and volkanovsky to replace. You could have gone with, you know, with gamron to to be the replacement there because he's already been training. He's the replacement. He's already the backup fighter. Could have just gotten him. He's already in a full camp in in this one. And then you could have had Trikis because I know he's healthy by now, and he could have been a replacement. You could have had the two number uh, two not real number one contenders, but the fact that Gamrot was ready for this fight, could have had that. But you could have Dustin Poirier fight Gamrot at 297. You know, you can make that fight if you really wanted to because Poirier needs to fight someone new. And, you know, I, I think Poirier's literally got a string left to his lightweight dreams. I think he's got very, very minimal chance here to get back to a number one contender spot. Um, he's gonna have to wait a while with the fact of Oliveira and Gaethje in front of him, and who the hell knows how that'll turn out. And you know, with Volkanovski already leapfrogging both the, all three of them, you know, who the hell knows when Poirier will really get a shot. And Gamrot, there. It's like the, I just keep adding names here. Yeah. So who the hell knows? So I think for Poirier, I think I would be asking for Gamrot as quickly as possible. And uh, you know, that's a fight you, you so? definitely make.
0: <laughs> I think anybody wants to fight Gamrot, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I I think that's a name you could do. Getting Drakus a fight in there, you know, like two ninety seven. It might not be the most championship type fight a card out there, but I think there's still a lot of great fights that you could do. A Drakus versus Paul Costa type fight. A you know who the hell know? I'm just I'm just spitballing as we're going here. So it. you can make these type of big fights for two ninety seven. And then maybe one of you know those guys are fighting at UFC 300 or, you know, because I, I believe 298 and 299 are going to be slowed down a little bit because I, I believe UFC 300 is going to have three to four title fights because I think everyone and their mama is going to fight at that car. That's going to be the biggest selling pay-per-view. It's going to be the biggest one of them all. And I think that's going to be huge. I think everyone's going to try to fight, especially Volkanovski. You know, if John Jones doesn't want to retire him, uh, anyone, I I can go all day, but I just think it's going to be at least three to four title fights. And then this 297 is probably the cutoff Mm -hmm. of people who are trying to fight on that card. So, you know, with that coming and, and, you know, International Fight Week right after that, it's this kind of building here towards uh, the future. And I I believe there's a lot of fighters kind of just sitting with nowhere to go. And you got to, you know, make fights.
0: For sure, man. Holy, holy heck. It's always exciting to, to imagine, right, the mental masturbation, trying to figure out what's going to happen <laughs> in the future. Uh, but before we know it, we'll be there and we will know. And of course, we will have the opportunity to cover every damn second of it with this crazy sport. So keep, keep locked right. in with the OTS Sideline Guys MMA show and we will keep giving you all that news as it floods in. Sean, what, what were you about to say?
1: I was going to ask you one final thing here before we move toward this recap. Yes, sir. And that is, you know, we, we, we've we said it a couple times in the last five minutes, but how are you, how do you feel with the fact of Adesanya taking time off now? You know, saying on the radio, it, it, it kind of sounded like he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to retire, but he clearly doesn't want to fight anytime soon. You know, I, I it could be a year where we hear from him, maybe eight months, 10 months. I think his name could be out of the running for UFC 300 with the fact that he's no longer a champion and doesn't want to fight. So it does make the seem that the Duplessis versus Adesanya fight will never happen. Uh, even though That was the most hyped thing four month, three, four months ago. You know How are you feeling with the fact that Adesanya is now taking time off, which sounds like such a weird thing to say with the fact that he used to fight three, four times a year?
0: Yeah, man, one of the most active guys in the sport. So I don't think this is going to be as long as a hiatus as most would. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on UFC 300. I, I think a hiatus for him is um, a, a work a work year for everyone else. Just think about the, the Hall of Fame career he sped run, right? Like, he, he literally sped run his way through a dominant title uh, reign and then obviously had this whole side quest of getting the belt and losing it back. So... I don't mind it at all for his career. I think obviously start taking a big break at age 34 is never really a good idea, right. For any athlete, um, you're taking away a little bit off your prime, but at the same time, whatever you don't have as far as athletic talent that you once had, you gain in wisdom and smarts. Right. So, um, really excited to see him come back rejuvenated, man, because clearly something was a little off there and obviously we don't want to see him come back to that form. Right. So, Uh, I think it's all going to be exciting stuff and uh, more compelling things to look forward to eventually once he does come back. But um, I don't mind it, man. I think, I don't know. I feel like he didn't have that planned out before the fight. I think if that fight went differently, I probably don't see him doing this. And who knows, maybe he knew he needed this more than ever, right? So things happen for a reason. Just wishing all the best to Adesanya. I know this must be a hard time for him. Um, But with all that being said, interesting that you went that way because as you were about to ask me the question it it, kind of went south so you know what i'm gonna ask you the question that i thought you were gonna ask me sean god damn it we mentioned him a couple of times if i'm mateo's gamrod am i upset right like i'm the backup fighter i've been told i'm gonna show up on the day of to make weight and get paid for it so that i can serve as the backup fighter and once he fell out i was not motherfucking replacement fighter sean what what the fuck, what, how do you feel of your mateo's camera
1: yeah obviously I, I think i'm upset with the fact that i'm not the replacement fighter here i i am literally being sent into abu dhabi to sit there and and be a replacement fighter all of a sudden the person who i'm replacing at is out of the fight okay i'm next in line i'm literally flying in why Uh-oh. Why is this guy coming in to fight? Wait, wait a second, what? But at the same time, I think you also have to look at it where Gamrot isn't the biggest name out there. And, you know, you, you only go into Abu Dhabi once a year. And it's like it's like Madison Square Garden, right? If we were in Madison Square Garden a month from now and, you know, something happened here, and let's say Islam was the main event at Madison Square Garden, you would not have Gamrot headline Madison Square Garden. Just You just don't do it. So I think he has to know that in the business standpoint. You know, in the fighting MMA world, yes, it's a low blow. That sucks. It really does. But he hasn't done anything to his personal or, you know, like his in out of the octagon life that makes him this huge fan favorite friendly face of, man, I can't wait to see Gamron fight. I think when you hear the announcement Gamron's fighting, you're like, oh, all right, hey. I like that because i like when Gamrat fights it's not like bro Gamrat's fighting in november it, you don't get that you don't get that hype so i think the fact that you're going to abu dhabi once you know COVID happened to abu dhabi every every month it was a big draw it was the only place in the world that was letting live and sporting events actually even happen so now it's only happening once a year the amount of money that abu dhabi is throwing To having an incredible event like every time you go to abu dhabi now you have to have two minimal two great fights like minimum that's like the the prequel to the garden which is why they're having it in october the gardens in november i think that's how it's always going to be for the next couple years they're going to probably backpack each other in foot flop so you cannot have gamrot being the main event in abu dhabi it just it, it can't happen you know, like, unless Gamrot headlines another two main events and maybe even in the in the hellscape, maybe, but it's just, especially the way he wants, like, it's just, there's just no way you could give him the main event and arguably one of the biggest cards in locations-wise of the entire year. So that's why you go with a way bigger name in Volkanovsky on 11 days' notice and a kamar uzman on instead of draikus on you know on 11 days notice assuming draikus is fully healthy but that's why you do this you're trying to save it you're trying to make it easier for the uae that's what you're trying to do you're trying to save face make the card still as big as a pay-per-view buy as possible they since they announced it all they've been doing is hyping on the youtube and every every interview up the wazoo for both of those fighters i i I could they're probably on an interview right now like i could probably find them and doing a live right now like that's that's how much they've been going crazy with this whole thing and you can't have gamrod headlining ufc 294 you just can't do it so i
0: agree with you because of the circumstances as far as the meritocracy of the sport like it's it's hilarious how correct you are and how much i hate it like because you're 100 percent right like no matter what because of his status and who he is he would never get this opportunity, but should that be the fucking case? Like, let's say, imagine this world. Right? Hear me case. out here. Hear me out here. Imagine, all right, all right. imagine we end up in the NFL playoffs today, right? And for whatever reason, right? We not, we're not exactly sure why, uh, but for whatever reason, um, the fucking uh, this is this is a terrible example, but I'm I'm gonna use it anyway. For whatever reason, what the the. The 49ers are unable to play, right? The 49ers as a team cannot show up to the playoffs, right? They cannot compete as a team. Okay. And then the the nearest team that they're like, you know what? Actually, um, the Rams won the Super Bowl two years ago. Let's put them right back in the playoffs, even though they didn't make the playoffs. Obviously, this is a terrible analogy, given what I just said, (laughs) but it just speaks to the level of like craziness that is this sport that we follow that isn't a sport, right? This is sport entertainment, and no matter what, they're going to always prioritize the entertainment side of things, regardless of how much we think the cogs of meritocracy should continue to move this ship forward. But goddamn, Sean, we went too long before touching on this UFC hellscape show so I'm really excited to hop right into all the results <laughs> and all the findings uh, from what was a terrible week for me, at least, <laughs> in picks. Uh, but yeah, UFC Hellscape, start. 3002, Sadiq Yusuf versus Edson Barbosa. Um, I think it's only right that we just start with the main event, right? We work our way backwards to, on this show.
1: Well, we're going through each one, huh?
0: Oh, yeah. We're going through each one, brother. Do you Ooh. not? I mean, it doesn't have to be in-depth, but... Um, I think it's only right. I mean, uh, we, I'll start with the sadness, right? I fucking – I'll swallow the pills, right? I made you swallow cool. a couple horse pills last week. Uh, I picked Sadiq Yusuf here, and I don't feel bad about it at all. He goddamn almost yeah, – He almost got Barboza out of there in the first, goddamn it, And that was a crazy round. I don't know how the hell Barboza survived. Uh, but from that point on, man, the, the dude's a fucking dog, man. Just came back – Roaring in the second, I thought personally, now hear me out. Please don't air me out. I thought that Sadiq Yusuf won round two and four when I was watching it initially, in addition to round one. And I know this sounds crazy, um, but no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I thought Sadiq Yusuf deserved a 10-8 in round one, which on two cards he got. He got. And then I thought that he won round two. Now, obviously, Barboza 3-4-5 was very clear. If you add up all those scores the way I just laid it out, I scored it a draw personally. Uh, but that's obviously not what happened here. Uh, this ends up being a huge comeback story for Edson Barboza. Much deserved, in my opinion, as far as how he performed. Well, obviously, he was able to rock Bar- uh, Bar- ugh, rock Sadiq Yusuf with that signature Barboza spinning wheel kick, right? Just always landing that thing somehow on, on everyone he fights, and um, was able to turn the tide around from that point on just with basic fundamentals, right? Pumping out your jab and just staying in Sadiq Yusuf's face, who I thought after that first round never quite looked like himself again. Am am I crazy for feeling that way?
1: No, not at all. I I actually had it exactly the same way you did. I thought at the end of the night it was going to be a draw because I thought Yusuf had the 10-8 in the first round, and I thought he won that second round. And so I thought he kind of had it in the bag. But then you saw Barboza start to turn it around. And I thought at the end of it all, okay, Barboza won 3, 4, and 5. You know, depending on if they're going to really give a 10-8 in that first round, I still think it's a draw or Barboza wins 48-47. But, you know, the way that they had the judges scorecards, how they had it four rounds to one on two scorecards. Uh, and then I think, yeah, I think they had it four rounds to one for one or two scorecards, something like that. And then uh, three rounds to two on the other with the 10-8. So it was very, very different than what I had. I had a 47-47. I just thought that that's the way I think, whatever the numbers would have been. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's how I had it. But I still was, I was completely fine with the fact that Barboza won that fight. I thought he had completely come back and uh, by like the, m- the last two minutes of round two, he was starting to really turn it on. And he was starting to come back into this fight. And obviously round three with, you know, his own knockdown of his own. And then four and five, he was clearly the different fighter. Uh, he took all the wind out of Yusuf Sales. And um, what an incredible fight, man. That shows resilience by Barbosa, who was who even said in his in his post fight, you know, I didn't even know where I was. I, thought I was playing with the kids. And, you know, that's just how crazy this sport really is, where you have no idea where you are body goes into this, you know, survival recovery mode. And all of a sudden you snap back into reality, shout out Eminem. And, Ooh. you know, you're just, you just come back and then you, you know, as a veteran in this game, you know, like, like, you know, I'm down, let's say two rounds of zero right here. I need to win the rest of this fight. And Barbosa did just that. And, you know, he's, he, he's a legendary name in this game. And uh, what an incredible, fight by him i love that fight man that was that was one of my favorite fights of the last couple months and especially one of my favorite hellscape fights mm-hmm. if that makes any sense if that means anything in this world um that was Holy one of my favorite so far this year
0: i just gotta mention this man that fucking same time counter where barboza tried that same tim means knee right that fuck yeah. you knee from against defense that i even even as it landed in that Tim Means fight, I'm like, oh, like it's so dicey to throw a same-time counter knee no matter where you are. But especially against the fence where if you're getting hit, especially anywhere on your face or chest, you're probably immediately going to be falling over, right? Just throwing your weight out there. The dude threw a fucking same-time counter as Sadiq was already putting it on him and just got cracked with a brutal right hook. I don't know how the fuck he survived that, bro. That That shot was disgusting bro and to be able to find your wits about yourself and then after that if you think about it let's be honest here even though it was a sustained ass beating in round one like 10 9 10 8 no matter how you slice it in my opinion i i'm still mad at you uh whoever that was i think it was mike bell uh for getting that incorrectly oh excuse me chris lee Uh, who's been coming under fire lately. Uh, So damn it, Chris Lee, get it together. Um, But if you look back at round three, you could almost argue if any of those guys had more time, the only person that would have probably got the finish was Barbosa. If he had, like, 10 more seconds in that round, in my opinion, that fight was over. So credit to Yusuf as well for being able to recoup and then make it competitive after that, right? It's not like it was a blowout rounds four and five, despite how many people tend to unanimously agree that Barbosa won those rounds. It was still close rounds. So this a fucking amazing fight. Junkyard dog. Shout out to Edson. And I'm mad at both of us, right? None, None of us have picked him up. He's fought twice since we started... Doing dynasty on this show and uh somehow the old grizzled vets man they just fly under the radar in these competitions i might have to start rethinking the way i pick my dynasty league man
1: yeah it's uh it sucks to watch that it it sucks when when you lose the pick right and then you look at dynasty and you go man he went through all of us like all the picks and it's just like (laughs) what were we doing like, what were we talking about that night? How did we not think the way we were thinking then? Like, what what happened? So, yeah, but you know what? I feel like Barboza will be back within, like, you know, three months from now. And I, I might have to steal him from you because he, <laughs> he seems to have some nice little resurgence here. So, I like it. Great fight. I love that, you know. Even Yusuf said that he's been watching him since a kid. I agree with him completely. I've been watching Barboza since I first started watching UFC. and. Um, man, is he so fun to watch? You know, it's, he's got so many different levels to his game mm-hmm. and you know he's 37, He's 37 and young. So that's how I'm looking at it. And I can't wait to see what he does next. Dude. And same thing with Yusuf too, man. Phenomenal. Not fun. taking anything away from him, man. That dude is a dog. He was another one where well, maybe it wasn't as bad as Barbosa in the first round, but Yusuf got clapped and I thought he was on the verge. He was trying to find the cage. He was trying to find a way to stand. I thought he was in trouble. And the way he he got back into it, and he found, you know, wherever he was. And, you know, he got himself back into having a great fight. Because even the announcer said going into round five that whoever wins this round is probably the winner. Because that's how close the fight ended up becoming. And, uh, you know, Barboza won that fifth round, I think, in every scorecard, including mine. And, uh, you know, we, we live to talk about it. So I can't wait to see both of these two guys fight again. It was a great fight. And I'm very excited for both of their careers.
0: Heck yeah, that was the definition of a prospect loss there for Yusuf. I don't doubt that he comes back. I don't mind having him on my Dynasty team. I I know he's going to be back, and I feel bad for whoever he fights next because it's going to be one hell of a fucking fight, to say the least. Because, man, round one, Sadiq Yusuf uh, puts it on, folks. The damage that he put on him in round one that he had to wear throughout the rest of that fight, fucking, I mean, say what you want about his performance and being able to fight uh, Sadiq Yusuf. If you take a snapshot, right? In my opinion, and this may be a hot take, but hear me out here. Uh, you take a snapshot of their faces at the end of the fight. You could say Edson Barboza won, won the battle. Uh, but Sadiq Yusuf might have been in for winning the war, right? I love, I love looking at uh, these five round fights as if uh, in some mythical world we get a version where it's a, a fight to the fight to the end, and uh, at that point uh, you could argue Sadiq Yusuf was better. Um, at least as far as physical damage for the wear, but obviously that world doesn't exist. The records move on, and we will move on just like that. The co-main event, Jennifer Maya, Vivia Araujo, we were completely wrong about this one too, man. Uh, didn't expect this outcome at all. At I the did. same time, what?
1: I did. How? You I, I, I said it going into the card. I didn't want to pick Maya, but I didn't trust Arujo yet or or Ruja, whatever Araujo, Araujo. You know, i don't care on, that's hey. how disappointed i am all right okay i don't like okay i'm not gonna say i don't like jennifer maya i'm I gonna not say, a what... fan of jennifer maya <laughs> fighting wise I, I said this going into the preview show last week that so rude. i just never been sold on jennifer maya every time i go to believe she just rips my heart out and i just go you know what enough and this time, I saw you pick Maya first, and I just didn't believe in Vivian enough to go against you. And I should have, because I was watching that fight. I'm cheering for Vivian the whole time. And then I look back at the doc, and I go, oh, I, I picked... I know I picked Maya just to make sure I didn't lose, you know, a, a fight I didn't need to lose. So I'm so disappointed with myself, because I wanted Vivian to win. And But you know what? It was... It, it, it is a little i'll ask you actually i'll ask you okay okay do you did you find that this fight was a debatable did you did you think it should have been scored the other way or were you glad with how the judges scored this one
0: um i'm gonna be honest i think there was a little bit of a case for it to go either way but i wasn't mad with the decision uh i thought it was a close fight but i thought ultimately the clearest round was won by araujo so you kind of got to give it to her right
1: yeah, no, i i feel that um i felt obviously round two was especially with, i think it was over like four minutes of,
0: of control, control yeah. time which and, i didn't that uh, was something i really didn't think as far as how the fight would play out the fact that she was able to keep that dominant control and then not be able to get up that was that was really surprising for me
1: yeah that i i see where you're coming from there it was the fact of for me round one i felt maya was more involved more dominant in a way where they both were landing but I felt Maya was was throwing more was landing more the significant tries was clearly more and then even in the third round I felt Maya was doing a lot more. I just think that Vivian was connecting at a more constant pace but still very very limited with both of them were taking each other down they both had control time. I think the fact that Vivian had more control time in round three is the reason that they gave her. Round three, because I think I think Vivian. I don't know how they scored this, but I, I don't know if they gave Maya the first round and then Vivian won the last two. But I think that's how they, I think that's how they did it. So, it was uh, I felt Maya won the first round, and I I at at the end of round three, like I felt the tides change, and I was like, I guess you got to give it to Vivian here. But I went back to look at the stat sheet, and I'm thinking to myself, like I think Maya was the one doing more but and she was technically in the statue, but it just watching it, you could tell where Vivian was the one was kind of constantly controlling that third round. So I get it,
0: dude, I love the analysis. I don't really got much to add, but obviously not the not the toughest pill to swallow for both of us, but a shitty way for both of us to end off the night, right? Like if we would have Bro. done better on these, we would have had an outstanding record on the night. But, Before that, Jonathan Martinez, Adrian Yanez. I think we were fucking spot on with how we called this one. Shout out to your pick, getting both of those guys. uh, Not a bad look at all, in my opinion. But just honestly, if you ask me, a little bit of a disappointing performance from Adrian Yanez. I mean, you know what this guy is coming to do, right? You know what you want to do, right? I'm sure. And that's, that's what got him in trouble, right? Trying to focus on what he wants to do. Uh, but you know what your opponent wants to do, and he just fell right into it over and over again, man. He didn't really adjust Crazy. with how heavy he was on his lead leg, and once it started getting bad, man, it was it was rough to watch at certain points. Uh, shout out to Factory X, man. Mark Montoya, another another warrior of an MMA coach. Someone who um, prayers up. I hope uh, I haven't really heard an update on this, but from what I understand, he's battling cancer. As we speak, and just out here willing dudes to victories, uh, amazing performance from Jonathan Martinez. Obviously, he's the one that went out there and made it happen, but um, just felt, in my opinion, a little bit of, a little bit let down by Yanez's performance. And I'm sure he wishes he could get that one back, but just a tough matchup, and it kind of played out the way we kind of
1: thought it would, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was glad that we both picked Martinez here. I think we just felt that it was going to be. This sort of fight, I just didn't expect it to be this, like, obvious. I I, I thought Giannis was going to come in, especially with Martinez. Like, you already know. He's already got a knockout or a TKO, so to speak, from leg kicks. And there's not many in the world that can do that. And now I think he's the second person. uh, Yeah, yeah, yes. He is the second person ever to have multiple TKOs via leg kicks. And the other person was Edson Barbosa in the main event. So it just goes to show, like, you kind of knew the game plan, and it just, I felt like after, like, the 15th kick to the leg, (laughs) I started feeling the kicks. Like, we we were just sitting there watching it happen, and you just get to this point now where you're just feeling bad for a certain fighter, and I hate when that happens. You're just Mm. now feeling bad for a fighter, and you're looking at the clock. You're kind of looking for the the round to end as much as, as quickly and as much in the desire as the fighter who's getting his ass kicked is. It's like no buddy, it's okay. 80 seconds, man. You could do it. Come on. You could do it, buddy. Come on. And you just you just you're waiting for it, especially in that fight. Like it's it, it's it is as clear as day for anyone who is just starting to watch the UFC. When you're watching that fight, you're kind of just waiting for the leg kick and it's coming. Mm-hmm. You Noah's know coming. Every time it came, you just hear this clap. You just hear it. It's so loud and man was that it was rough that's rough because i like Giannis a lot that's why i picked him with my second overall pick in in the dynasty because i still think both these two guys are dogs and i think this is kind of a big wake-up call to Giannis here so i think he's got to come back here that is as brutal as it gets in a way to lose um granted thank god it's only in front of 50 people so who cares but you got to come back from this and uh I'm excited to have him still in Dynasty. A humongous win for Jonathan Martinez. I loved it. I love seeing stuff like that. I love this guy. And uh, I can't wait for his fight, his next fight as well.
0: Great shouts all around. I can't wait for both of these guys to bounce back. Uh, but I just got to mention, dude, I just I have to before we move on. No matter who the fuck Jonathan Martinez fights next, like, this dude, this dude's fucking coming. Right. Might not be the flashiest style, might not be the most exciting for for most fans. But uh this guy, this guy's a fucking problem for this division. And I love, uh once again, the slow build. He's one of those guys that first time you might have saw him, you might not have screamed championship potential. Right. Uh, But as he continued to grow and develop, just every time he goes out there, the dude looks like a more honed a more sharpened version uh, than last time. And it just keeps getting better. So shout out to factory X, man. Love to see these
1: fighters actualize their potential. What was that? Sean? How afraid would you be if you got the call that you were fighting him next? How afraid would you be for your legs? Obviously for everything else, but realistically right now with the fact that he has now two TKOs via leg kicks, how do you even like at the gym? I think I would be asking every single person that came into the gym to kick my legs at least 15 times. Oh, before hell no. You left for the night.
0: Oh no, so I no. can
1: prepare myself. That's not that how that exercise. works.
0: No, no, no. This is <laughs> you just there's have no, to no.
1: Beat yourself you just, down. No
0: matter how many times you get kicked, no, no, you're not gonna prepare yourself for that shit. You're not. You gotta prepare yourself <laughs> to get out the way because no matter how many times you get hit, it's still gonna hurt. There's people I fucking train with. I don't even want to hold pads for them on fucking leg kicks. I don't even want to feel that. Because it's a different level of power, so obviously, these are people that aren't even pros. So, imagine the people who are professionals just cracking at you with those uh leg kicks. Anyone in, in out of that uh team of Factory X, man, watch your fucking legs because well, they,
1: they're coming sometimes to get through pain, you got to go through more pain. So, or you could just avoid it by just not getting kicked in the legs, but that is mm. easier said than done. But it's just man. When you got to fight, like when you get that call, whoever it is that you're fighting, that you're fighting him next, man, good luck, brother. I'll be cheering man. for you, but I would be, I'd be as a, I'd be scared to watch it, let alone be in the same octagon. So, Whew. shout out to whoever is fighting Jonathan Martinez next. Now, obviously, all these guys are killers, but man, I getting kicked in the legs, man. Oh, especially like right next on the side of the knee or right above the kneecap. Oh God, the fear so I already have it's so So it's so devastating long-term and short-term on your career
0: shout out shout out to benoit saint saint denis i just hope we get to see more guys just say Fuck it. I'm going all out with these leg kicks. Stop me if you want, right? But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on throwing it until you decide it's enough and try to change the, the phase of the game. Uh, but with all that being said, I think another guy, another situation where it's just a nightmare to get the call when you see when you look at the opponents and you see that it's one of your dynasty fighters going head to head against one of my dynasty fighters. That's a call you don't want to get when Chris's dynasty player is on. The the other side, because goddamn Michelle Pereira uh, fucking sparked out Andre Petrovsky. I did not expect that one, man. I did not expect such a one-sided fight, but goddamn, the dude looked lightning fast at middleweight.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you can enjoy this moment, because I liked Petrovsky in his last fight, so this is one of the first times, Me too. for, for the fans listening here, this is one of the first times that we have had a moment where a fighter that we have picked is now coming into fruition here, is now coming into our our, our dynasty picks for this next one. So he had picked Michelle Pereira for this upcoming card, and I already had Petrovsky. And I knew, because Petrovsky was a late fight replacement, and I remember going into this going, oh, no. Especially, but Pereira was already huge at welterweight. He was already a big guy there, and he looked even bigger it, you know obviously yep. as a middleweight and man watching that fight over i i fell for Petrovsky in that cuz e- even though the the punch that landed didn't look the cleanest of all punches ever thrown it still knocked Petrovsky on his ass and just completely sent him to a new realm mentally cuz as much as it didn't look so clean and look like oh man no how was he down from that like you couldn't have that argument you know, just how just shows how strong Pereira really is, and the fact that you know it didn't even look like Petrowski was really trying to find a way up. He was just trying to find his wherever he was first, and then you know the ground and pound finished him off. It was as quickly as the knockdown happened it was how quickly the fight ended. So mm-hmm. Pereira's a mean machine when it comes to that middleweight division. So that was that was a great fight for him. I would love to be more happy for him, but I was I was still very upset with the fact that he was supposed to fight Wonderboy a couple mm-hmm. cards ago and that didn't end up happening. So I do love Pereira now being in this division and I'm missing weight, hopefully. And uh I I as much of of a loss as this is for Petrovsky, I'm not overly heartbroken over it because I think he'll, you know, taking a short replacement fight, it's not gonna ruin his stock, you know, all too much and I'm excited for his fight as well.
0: Yeah, man, I couldn't agree with you more. I think this was just just caught him, right? Just caught him. I think a lot of the stuff we said as far as how the fight could have potentially played out still could have turned out to be true, right? If he got a chance to get a takedown, get to top position, test gas tanks, I, I think it would have been an interesting fight, man. But the, the dude looked lightning quick. That that The right hand that landed was just filthy, right? Just an instant crack, instant drop and uh the the the, f- the follow-up strikes after that just were fast and furious right um i think no matter what it's kind of a kind of an iq test right when you fight Pereira, uh, i would encourage anybody to watch his fight with tristan Connolly back uh, still can't believe that that's something that I watched, right? Like shout out to Tristan Connolly doing the damn thing after that fight, he showed up with a six pack. Cause he was like, nah, I can't, I can't let it, let the world down after that performance and, uh, never quite looked as good as he get, did in that fight again, despite that. So, uh, the blueprint is out there on how to fight someone like Pereira It's just a matter of, can you get him? to not be as pissed off as possible. Like, I think that's the game plan, right? Chip away at the anger of Michelle Pereira. And before you know it, uh, you'll find yourself in a manageable fight. But when he's coming at you with a full head of steam, man, the guy is dangerous and obviously got, got his way in this one. But I won't be surprised if we see him get out grappled in future fights or anything like that. I think uh this was kind of a coin flip scenario and it just ended up on the terrible side for Petrovsky, but uh much uh, when you look back at the odds from last week you are like shit man. A little straight straight play on Pereira would have been nice, but um we'll move on. Next up the the fight we'll never get to see at this point. The reason why unfortunately you were forced to only have four fights on your dynasty record instead of five Edgar Chárez versus, <clears throat> excuse me, Daniel Lacerda Part two was not able to happen as Lacerda was not medically cleared. Did you did you get the background? Do you know why the, he couldn't fight on the day?
1: Um, I have not figured that out yet, but I'm going to do it right now. But you know I, what is crazy is the fact that this is now the third time in four cards or whatever you want to call this Fight Nights, pay per views, all of them combined. That we have had a fight get canceled the night of or you know the night before it's supposed to happen due to some injury or some sort of complications and i i hate when that happens and i hate that now it's it's like i feel like every single week we're coming into a an event and all of a sudden something happens and i hate seeing stuff like that
0: yeah for sure for sure it definitely sucks um i don't know what the solution is i really don't uh nothing yeah. What, what literally. To do? <laughs> I mean a b- better detection, I guess, so that we don't end up on the fight week getting these f- fights pulled. But once again, uh hopefully everything is going fine for Daniel Lacerda. And at this point, just don't even book this fight again. It's fucking cursed. Move on. Uh but 100%. next up, you get to gloat. Cameron Simon, Christian Rodriguez, one that for some reason people thought was close. I thought this was a pretty clear decision for Christian Rodriguez. Sucked that he can't make weight for whatever reason. This is the second time. He doesn't look like a big bantamweight, Uh, but the second time that he wasn't able to make weight for the division. I honestly thought that ended up playing a factor in this fight, if you ask me. I think not, not having to drain yourself to that extent, you could tell he had a little bit of an extra gear that Cameron Simon didn't really have. And uh, would have loved to see this fight under the actual uh, normal circumstances. Uh, But of course, that's not the world we live in. So shout out to those guys for doing the damn thing. I thought it was a great fight no matter what. I thought it was a tactical yet entertaining back and forth fight, which you love to see as a, as a big fan of that side of the sport, there was a lot of times, especially as the fight went on where I thought Cameron Simon was really getting the better of those exchanges. Uh, But it was just hard to, to mount offense for a sustained period of time for both guys. Uh, But especially for Cameron Simon, man, great performance for you though. Right. And your dynasty team, how'd you feel about that
1: one? Listen, as much as I will, as much as I will take the win here, I, I don't like when fighters miss weight, especially by that much. You know, I have a certain feeling when it comes to fighters missing weight, you know and and, and how that whole thing plays out, but to, I think he missed it by four or five pounds if I remember correctly, that definitely played a humongous toll when it came to middle of round two and the entire of round three. And I think even I, if I remember correctly, I believe even the announcers, you know the bispings and cruises of the world were saying, like you could clearly tell you know not having to drain yourself just those five pounds has a humongous effect on you and uh, it clearly showed Christian Rodriguez was much more awake let's say or much more able to fight 15 minutes than someone who had to drain the extra five pounds just to put it back on and you know spend all that time getting releasing fluids to gain the fluids and you know I, I love the fact that you know Cameron still gets obviously the fight uh, purse plus whatever 30 percent of Rodriguez's money um I like that for him it just it's it sucks to see how much of an effect that really does play out and especially if you're someone who watches fights as much as the both of us do You you even more you know you could clearly tell that you know not making weight it, it, it's such a big amount four or five pounds like like Christian Rodriguez did definitely plays a humongous factor here so I feel bad for Cameron Simon I hope it doesn't hurt his stock that much but I thought Christian could have made weight, and I still thought he would have won this fight, and I'm glad he still did, because losing the fight while also missing weight is probably as as the worst thing you could possibly get. So, you know, hopefully, whatever happens with Christian next, it it, it shouldn't be uh, too too great for him either, but um, I'm glad and I'm happy with the win for my dynasty. I am worried, though, when it comes to him making weight. I think that's the third time he has, made weight or had to have a second sort of weight in the last five fights uh it seems like you know making 135 seems to be a problem for him and um you know i everyone has a leash when it comes to this game and i don't know how many fighters miss weight four times and continue to stick around in the biggest you know promotion in 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 the world so Mm -hmm. it feels uh, like he has to to get it it right right it feels Accent, like he has right? to get
0: it right because he he's someone that i can't picture fighting a featherweight like he's he's no, a, he's, hell, tiny, he's hell. tiny for bantamweight in my opinion yeah. so it's its a little bit of a strange one but obviously health is wealth and wishing nothing but the best right that's what matters right
1: fuck all this weight cut talk at the end of the day you need a nutrition coach uh if he doesn't yeah. have one yep. assuming he does have one. one but you need a better one
0: yeah for sure or at least a a, a more uh Get more balanced balanced approach to your uh <laughs> discipline. Um, but yes. next up, yes, deaf taxes and Darren Elkins by decision, baby. Ooh. How did we how do we let this happen, right? How did both of us let this happen? Of all the fights where we could have went, you know what? I'm looking at me when I say this. Fuck, fuck you. Uh, of all the fights <laughs> that I decided, hey, you know what, I'm gonna be a contrarian. I chose Alatang Hei Lee over Darren Elkins. What the fuck is wrong with me? Can we can we start there? Well, how did we not see this? I mean we mentioned it's a possibility right I me- I remember mentioning that the possibility of this happening was very legitimate uh but goddamn how the hell did none of us pick Darren Elkins in the spot this is the Derek. this is the darren elkins spot goddamn it
1: i know i i i can't believe it watching that fight cuz you know when i pick these these fights i'm picking in the moment and then when i go into the fights i don't remember half the people I choose <laughs> because I'm like, I, you know, especially cause there's a lot of times where we're kind of picking right at the wire. Like I could see TJ Brown taking this one. Oh, I could see Darren Elkins, you know, if he gets his game and blah, 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 you know, like we have that sort of conversation over and over again where we're convincing each other and ourselves on who and why we're picking them. And going into that fight, it was, it was Elkins fight the whole time. I, the ground game was awesome. man. I, I loved it for Elkins. I, I go in the whole time thinking I picked him. And then obviously at the end, realizing I didn't. Um, but I, I got to give it to Brown, man. He's a dog, too. There were times mm-hmm. where even when he was getting his ass kicked the whole fight, he had a moment where he flipped it on, on Elkins. You know, he spent a lot of energy doing it. He was trying to get up. He had gotten up. He was landing some nice, clean shots. But Elkins was just a dog the whole time. He was, you know, he controlled it for the majority of the fight. But I got to give it to Brown, man. He, you know, as much as it wasn't his fight, and he clearly was, you know, wasn't fighting his fight there. But I got to give it to Brown, man. He had a lot of a lot of credit to him, and but Elkins looked the, probably the best I've seen him in a minute, and um, really happy for him and what happens with him next. So that was that was an incredible fight for Elkins, and a and a decent performance for Brown there. And I love the dog in both of them.
0: Hell yeah, man. I talk all the shit about uh, how we thought we this was the day he got old. Uh, he dude look 10 times younger than Tony Ferguson out there. Just got to throw that out there. But next up, Tainara Lisboa versus Ravenna over Oliveira. I thought Ravenna had an amazing third round and honestly made it an exciting fight because of that. Uh, but before then, I, I love this fantasy pick for me, man. I'm loving my dynasty team right now in the way that it's building because I think she's going to be a main fixture in this division. Do I think? Do I think she screams top five right now? Probably not. Uh, but there's enough people in this division uh to make your way up and look great on your way doing it. And I thought she had a complete performance against a game opponent, right? Someone that we're going to see more of in the UFC. And I think is actually going to get some wins. So shout out to Raveno Oliveira,
1: Tainara Lisboa though, the star of the show. How did you feel about that one? Sean, as good as that round two was, you know, that round two has mm-hmm. told me everything I needed to see. And, um, Lisboa was absolutely dominant. And, uh, those are one of those where obviously it's never going to be a 10-8 but if you looked at it statistically if you watched it you know 50 times over you know you could start convincing yourself on how much uh, of a lopsided you know fight or lopsided round that was and uh was bold incredible it was one of those especially like you just said that i know i'm gonna regret when it comes to dynasty in about a couple months when when i see her again and uh, mm-hmm. Lisboa is definitely building up to be something, something great. But I still, I still like Ravenna. I, I, yeah. I do. Um, I think that she can turn this around. Uh, I like her prospect as a prospect. I like her stock still. And uh, while you know this is Lisboa's time at the current moment, I'm not you know shying away from picking Oliveira again.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I thought her stock went up in that loss as well, with the way she bounced back in round three. But next up, Terrence McKinney, Brandon Marote. I am honestly shocked that none of us have Terrence McKinney on our dynasty team at this point. Uh, Must have been the third time he's fought uh, since we started the damn thing. But uh, is thing. he is he in the running for the most dangerous? 30-second fighter in in the UFC. Like, the dude is insane, bro. And that first 45-second window of the fight, man, the way he landed that knee was so effortless, right? Knew that he stunned him with the shot beforehand and knew he would be forced to to pull back because of it and then just nails him with a perfectly timed knee. I had to look at this one back a couple times because I'm like, how the fuck did he even know he would be there like I had to watch it a couple times. <laughs> Clearly, man, the dude is just so dialed in and knew how how good he hit him with the first shot to be confident enough to arc the knee that way. Man, that was a special knockout as far as timing and, and just athletic ability. Terrence McKinney, fucking dangerous guy to fight, man. Don't don't talk shit about Oh, he's he gasses after this amount. Hey, you got to force him to get there right and there's a lot of guys clearly uh that can't make it past the the first couple of of barrages man the dude is an animal
1: bro he's four fights this year you know i i wouldn't be shocked if i see a fifth one you know i i I think this dude is out of his mind uh he's been in the ufc (laughs) for nine fights now if you conclude the contender series and every single one ends in someone getting knocked the hell out or you know choked the hell out so he is one of the. He's one of those guys. You got to stop putting on these Hellscape cards, and you have to start putting him on a prelim on a big card like a Mad Square Garden type card, because you know that will bring in the crowd. You know he's gonna obliterate someone in thirty seconds, or he's gonna gas himself out in about sixty seconds to the point where he's choked out. So, he, you know, especially with the. I always forget these guys' names because we talked about this three different times before. The Bonfim fight and the other fight he had where he lost uh, by Nazim Nazim, thank you. I always forget Nazim's name. <laughs> that's that's where that happens, where he goes so ham for a full round, all of a sudden he starts to gas out, and it's it's not a good look. But then you have the Mike Greenan fight, and then you have this one against Brendan, where it's just now you're fighting Terrence's fight, and when you're fighting Terrence's fight, you better start sleeping. You know, singing your, your your lullabies, thinking about the sheep, you know, hopping over the fence. Whatever you have to do to prepare yourself, going to sleep quick because it's happening. It's coming soon. And Terence McKinney really is a crazy person, man. He's he's one of those guys where I absolutely love when he's on a car because I know that if the car, the fight I'm waiting for the, that's after his is coming, I know I'll be there in about five minutes because this fight will end in about thirty seconds. Because Terrence is an absolute monster, a dog. And I love what he did again. He's, he's gotten hit twice in the last two fights. He's gotten hit 10 times in the last three fights. So it, it just shows how much, how little literally takes damage. And how much he's just fucking throwing and doing whatever he can, can to get out of there. And I also believe he was trying to watch that, you know, Dylan Dennis, uh, Logan Paul fight. Because it was happening at the exact same time. And I think, you know, he was trying to be like, man, you know, I see Dylan Dennis walking out. I got to get out of here. Let me knock this guy out in 20 seconds so I can go and, you know, catch up by round one. So, you know what? It was a fantastic (laughs) performance for McKinney. (laughs) And I look forward to seeing him in about two months whenever he takes another fight and seeing that fight end in about 90 seconds.
0: You know, I contemplated starting this show as if we were going to be doing a breakdown show on that Misfits card. Like, I, I contemplated as I was doing the breakdown. Not, not that I actually was going to do it, but as I was doing the intro... I was like, imagine I just start like hype as if I'm, t- oh, we're going to be doing a full like recap of the Mitzvahs card instead of the UFC. <laughs> like, I literally was about to do it and then I'm like, uh, not worth it. Uh, But yeah, it was only a matter of time until that fight fight got brought up. And I won't be surprised if he was like, yeah, let's get to the fucking back. We got to, we got to find out who <laughs> is going to win the battle of the creepy nudes that I found on the internet. That's <laughs> a strange storyline yes. and so weird
1: what people respond to, right? i'm uh, so again, glad that's about- over and i hope i never see another misfits I, i'm never i never watched one i would never pay for that crap and but the fact of how much people were buying into and were so into this nonsense of dylan danis who is the keyboard king of trolling and then logan who is not a good person but pretends to be is i i i think that's what it was you, You you grew both of them, you hate so much, but you had to love someone. And the fact that Dylan makes it as ridiculous as he does, people hate Logan so much they started to like Dylan, and no one likes Dylan. (laughs) So it's just, I'm that's the last time I'm going to mention the Misfits part because I can't stand what they turned boxing into. I, I hate it so much, and I hope I never see anything remotely close to this youtube boxing nonsense again hey it's one little
0: of- it's one little corner of the boxing world boxing no is no, no i promise not. boxing is fine it's not no, i just, it's not. i hate that because, this is what people enjoy the most but go ahead yeah yeah give me your give me your. because
1: take. in the casual standpoint of what fans watch now because everyone's a casual and everyone's a hater first everyone focuses more on this crap more than what real boxing is i would say that the Standing population of who watches these Misfits cars are around 10 years old to maybe 28. That's the newer generation of an amazing demographic, 100 percent for Misfits. It is. But I it's you know, you have to bring in a new generation all the time. Every every five years, you have to bring in that new generation. I don't want that new generation doesn't give a shit about the up-and-comers of the real boxers out there nobody I cares with that. i disagree with I, that i disagree with you for disagreeing with that because hey, Keyshawn Davis. everyone hey. cares
0: you know what tennis. these these are all i want legends. you to
1: ask ask 10 15 year olds who those guys are who you're mentioning who are the next Five guys who you think are title contenders. No one will say a goddamn. Hey, word. we could do but the same thing say, with the UFC. You, you know that, right? We could be like, hey, hundred percent.
0: Ask these guys if they know Conor McGregor or if they know who Ikram Alishev is, and most guys are gonna know Conor.
1: Yes, hundred percent there. But you could still get these kids to be like, you know who Dustin Poirier is? Do you know who Justin Gaethje is? Do you still know? You know who uh, Khabib was, and you know who. Uh, Gamrod is and Faziv is. Maybe some people won't know Gamrod and Faziv, but they'll know the up and comers, the guys who were recently there, the guys who even just fought. Like people know who Triple G is, but if you ask who Triple G fought before he fought Canelo, no one will have any idea. Everyone knows who KSI's brother is. I don't remember his name, but everyone knows who that kid is and who he's fought the last two times. No, it's just, I hate that boxing has become such a joke. To the casual fans, because I I love boxing, I love it. But focusing on this YouTube boxing six round nonsense. Hear me out, heavy people. Out. Ready, ready? Having... I need
0: a I need a hot tag right now. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not even gonna let you finish. Okay. All right. Take it away, from. I get where you're take coming from. Take it away. From. I think this is two different audiences entirely. I think, Uh, if anything, these young casuals are now being introduced to boxing in a way that could get them used to and excited for actual fights. Nobody watched this and thought these were actual competitive fights. If you showed up to this event trying to watch competitive fights, you've done yourself a disservice. So I think, hear me out. What are you paying the money for? then? These people. I mean the characters and the pomp and circumstance. You're paying and the,
1: hundreds of dollars the for the war. a character.
0: I didn't, but uh, oh. clearly that's what oh. sells. You we just talked about that's what sells. You're no pay matter 55 what a for a pay-per-view about UFC
1: but, or state. Okay, that's what
0: sells. Fight. They actually fight. These guys actually fought as if well. Did you, you see? Gonna, if the UFC is out?
1: gonna headline CM Punk, no
0: one's buying that hey they did once he was the co-main event and okay. that that sold he was, baby. Not the, cleveland. Co-main. He
1: was the main card for... he was the first fight on the main
0: cleveland okay? believe all
1: right i get that that fight came and went and people realized in that moment what an absolute disaster that was never do that again but in this world it's so backwards where they see absolute garbage fighting and they go, man, I can't wait to see that again. That was awesome. I loved watching him on YouTube. Who that, you know boxing, what this is? I can't wait to do it again. Because it has such a big profile,
0: this is regional boxing. If you watch regional boxing, this is exactly uh, what it looks like. It regionals would it looks
1: like beat their ass. Two,
0: two guys that are fucking lost, right, and, and <laughs> trying to figure it out. Um, I agree. This is not a quality product. I agree with you 100%. It's but it's two different demographics entirely. I don't think boxing is doomed because the young boxing audience only loves this. If anything, for unanimously, all boxing, actual boxing fans hate this the way you do so in yes. my eyes it's just a lot of casuals that never would have watched boxing in the first place get their foot in the door and hopefully these big fights like boxing has been able to deliver this year can can continue to rope in some of those casuals uh but i don't know how we got here i love it no, next no, up, I, and
1: i i first boy wait whoa 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 don't don't cut me off here all right <laughs> listen i agree with you But the reason that is we're even at this misfits, that the the fact that this even exists is the fact that how much boxing has disintegrated over the years compared to what it once used to be. So throwing in a bunch of YouTubers who should never be in a ring and having them talk keyboard nonsense to each other for six months before a fight is so ridiculous that that's what people are buying into now over what boxing used to be I, I i was the biggest fan of boxing i used to love boxing but it just it broke my heart especially what how rigged boxing had become as well that was a whole nother argument there it's a lot of rigged stuff that happens in boxing and maybe it's not as much as it used to be but still is. i just hate yeah. Even with the you would never see that in the UFC. You will you never see it see, all the
0: time. You see shitty no you shitty incompetent. You will never you see, see a shitty
1: judges. Card It's the same commission. There's fifty okay, but you will never see a pay-per-view event with a bunch of YouTubers doing MMA. You'll just have never you see seen it. have you seen Fight Circus? No, thank God, because it oh, doesn't you need exist to. to the rest of the world. It exists, bro. No, no, obviously everything exists. There's people who fight blindfolded with one arm of course it exists it's out there but it's 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 not degeneracy (laughs) yeah no i'm a degenerate i'm
0: a degenerate (laughs) fight fan baby i will show up
1: (laughs) yes you are and you're you're a diehard at that i'm just saying when you're talking about the casual list of the world the casual fans of the world nobody Mm -hmm. cares about these youtube stars fighting in mma no one's gonna care if logan paul goes to dylan dennis and says I'm gonna fight you in MMA because everyone knows Dylan's gonna beat the shit out of him. Now, more people would draw. More
0: people would care about that than this last year. Hold on.
1: Oh well, obviously, yes, obviously, (laughs) nobody. There was a 50 people show up to the fucking thing because it's it's at the apex. (laughs) But yes, I think it'll sell in the beginning, but no one will care for the long term. Obviously, people will buy in, but because nobody's gonna want to really watch what the hell's about to happen. It's it, it sounds amazing at first because Jake Paul's the one who created this this monster of taking these MMA guys who have no lick of boxing experience but just the MMA style and just beating beating them up because he's a YouTuber. It's like wow, YouTubers beating up MMA stars, MMA champions, MMA legends. How could this be? And then it turns into YouTubers fighting YouTubers, YouTubers fighting keyboard warriors, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. I can't I can't stand this. Time. I was a little bit with it when it was Tyron Woodley versus Jake Paul because I've seen Tyron Woodley throw the same overhand right his entire career. And I just say, hey, maybe if you land one of those, it's a different story. But it's a different story when you go from fighting and training for MMA to learning how to box when you've never done it and you're 40 years old. That's a completely different game. But then you get to see how different it is. You know what? I don't even want to keep talking about this because this is nonsense. I'm talking about a sport that's not real. I can't stand it. I don't want to ever see it. I will never watch it, pay for it, any of it because it's so stupid. I don't care if I'm a hater. I'll never, ever, 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 ever get invested or involved in it, ever.
0: I love it. I just at this point <laughs> you're poking prod just to get these kind of reactions out of you. That, that's that's I, I fucking do. love. I yeah. love the fire. I love the fire. I have the fire from, tonight. Coming straight from the soul. Yeah, coming straight from the soul. That's must be why I'm so damn hot over here. Yeah. Just you just spitting <laughs> flames today, which I love. Okay, let's get back on track. Irina Alexiva. I get to I get to gloat. You know what I'm saying? I get to yeah, yeah, yeah. just a little You bit. take this one. You take this one. Irina Alexiva. Go uh is Comes up short against Melissa Dixon a lot, a lot of uh, the way this fight played out was exactly how I laid it out. So shout out. If you want to, if you want to check my thoughts before the fight, check that out um arena looked dynamic though like i thought there was a lot of times where she did hurt melissa obviously had her gushing from her nose since the first round literally uh had to go through hell to get it um and, and there was a lot of dicey moments too with the random uh rolling for knees and a lot of the funky stuff she does on the ground uh this was a fun little scrappy fight despite uh what i thought should have been a very unanimous uh outlook on who won. Um, I think arena deserves credit for being a fun action fighter. Uh, at the same time, I think she leaves a lot to be desired as far as just putting herself out there on a platter, uh, to be countered and hit by her opponents. Uh, but with all that being said, Sean,
1: yeah, what went wrong? Oh yeah. Uh, Everything went wrong. You know what the thing was, is that (laughs) it was, it was one of those where. Irina, like you said very fun fighter and had it had her moments right had the had some moments where i actually thought okay this is where you start pulling away this is the mo- oh, oh here we go but i felt melissa this was melissa's fight from the beginning i felt that this was her octagon that she was controlling it and i felt even i was kind of with chris lee here because i remember he was the one who picked all three rounds for her for, for melissa i actually was mm-hmm. with that and i i you know you could argue irena won um what round was it uh that could have won one round i can't remember which round round it was. two i think it was yeah. round two um but i i uh, what, what's around two maybe um but i i still firmly believe that this was melissa's fight the whole time and um that hurt because it's one of those where you know that you didn't pick the right opponent and your opponent picked the right opponent and you're just like hoping and praying that something goes wrong for you to something to go right for me. And it's like it's like a it's like being a fan of a team sport. You're just hoping and praying your team can turn it around, wake the fuck up and turn this whole ship around. But it never happens. And you just watch 15 minutes of pain and misery. And that's what ended up happening for Irina and for me. So I enjoyed that. Thank you, Irina. It was it was brutal. And I hope I, 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 I do like Irina's game, though. I'm not shitting on her here. I want her I want her back quickly as possible to forget this loss because I think Irina, like you said, is a very fun fighter and I think shes still got plenty left in the tank, obviously, but plenty left to do in this game. And I hope that we can see her bounce back. I know I say that a lot, but I think she can do a lot more than what she showed on Saturday night and I want her to come back as quick as possible. But shout out to melissa good good for her
0: yeah um i don't think any of these ladies are going to be barnstorming through the division no. uh but fun action fighters for sure and melissa dixon just just work workhorse out there just i was gonna say workman like but obviously she's a work woman god damn it we gotta be pc on this show but uh just i i love when someone puts their hard hat on it just fucking goes to work right regardless, regardless. of what their, their opponent goes out there trying to do uh, to just fully bore on implementing their game. And if anyone felt that way, it was also Chris Gutierrez earlier in the night against Hey Lee. Amazing performance. Had that leg looking like a little alien egg was about to pop out. This was a Sean, nice one. tell me, how'd you feel? Uh, huh?
1: You know what the thing was, is that I feel like you kind of got the last laugh here because I felt really good going into this one. Just for 15 minutes later, for you get the last laugh in the next fight so i felt really good it, it, like i said it felt like a team sport where it was like all right I had a great first half here look at this i'm winning which is great i love it chris gutierrez absolutely dominated i felt that he was way better the entire card the, the, entire, the entire fight and i this is exactly why i picked him this is exactly why i said in the preview show i just felt that this was gutierrez's time i felt he was a complete mismatch for not saying his name but I just felt like it was a it was it was made for Gutierrez. This was a fight made for Gutierrez to win, and it worked out as perfect as I thought it would. And then obviously the next fight we just talked about is what happened. So I went from overhyping myself to disappointing myself. But keeping it on this fight, this was awesome. Um, this is exactly what I expected, and I don't know. See, this is what happens. This is what I do. After a loss or a win, I'm already picking and thinking about who I think Gutierrez and whoever I pick should fight next and when. And with this type of masterful performance, I don't really know what he can do right now, whether if he can rush to get an opponent quickly or if they're going to kind of slow him down. But I, want, I would love for Gutierrez to fight soon. But I don't know because of the fact he's still very relatively young in this UFC world. Um, I don't know what they're gonna do with him next. And I was kind of, I was kind of hoping to ask you because after I watched this fight, I was thinking to myself, like, what is next for Gutierrez? He's been around for five, six years, right? Six years, seven. Yep. So, like, what happens for Gutierrez now, being basically one of the first? fights on a hellscape card six seven years to get to that point it's not what you want but we're here now and uh what what happens with Gutierrez next
0: yeah man all great great questions obviously this is a step back uh after his last uh performance against pedro munoz i think he ends up somewhere in that top 15 again i thought he looked phenomenal right so those are all good things um and it's a little weird right because you got teammates in that in your division in the top 15 as well. Right. So, uh, you kind of got to navigate that properly. And I think that's a little bit of what's slowing him down too, but no doubt he's deserving of a top 15 fight In another situation where we're looking at the board and I'm like, how the fuck did nobody pick Chris Gutierrez, uh, for their dynasty league, uh, kind of crazy that both of us left him on the board there. Cause obviously no matter what the dude looks phenomenal and has great process, which is obviously one of the things that stick out to me as a fight fan. So I thought, I thought, like you said, great performance, a uh, little bit of a rough one for Aloteng Hailey. The dude is fucking nails, right? He's coming forward no matter what. Uh, but it feels like you got to sell out and figure out a way to stop things from happening to you. Because if you don't, uh, it becomes uh, it, uh, to a certain point like it did in this fight, right, where you're just trying the same shit over and over again and getting the same result right over and over and uh painfully so. So yeah. uh good luck to Alatang Haley if he gets another shot in the UFC. Um I think he deserves it. I think he's an action fighter and someone that they would love to send out there to one of those random UFC Asia moments uh cuz I'm sure at some point we're going to be headed back to that side of the world. Uh, but with all that being said, we move on to our final fights. Emily Ducote gets the win over Ashley Yoder. Um, I'm not gonna lie, this fight kinda sucked. Yes. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. This fight kinda sucked. Uh shout out to Emily Dakota for doing what she had to do to get the win. Um, I would like to not speak about Ashley Yoder again on this show, if
1: possible. <laughs> you know what? I, I agree with you here. Um, not my favorite fight. And I hate when cards start off with cart with fights like these. And I'm not, you know, great win for Emily. I was I was Obviously, first fight of a hellscape card is never the white, like, the most exciting fight of all time. It's never going to be. But I did expect a little more um, and I felt Ashley Yoder did not bring it for me. Like yeah, obviously, if you look at the stat sheet, it looks significant enough, you know, but landing at a 37% pace and you know, failing on the takedowns, it's just I I I wanted more and I do feel it was a little closer than I wanted it for Emily, but I, I, I had a 30-27 at the end of it all, but um, granted, not what I wanted to see from both of these fighters, but I'm glad Emily still did get the win and continues to uh, increase and, and you know move forward in her career, so I'm excited for what's next for her after getting rid of that 2-5 losing streak. For sure. So
0: at the end of the night, both Sean and I, in our head to head picks. Finished off at 84-49-1-1, one one, which I think is an awesome record, right? Anything above 500 is great. But slowly but surely, we're creeping up. Who knows? We might be able to double up our wins over our losses soon. So I'm loving the direction we're going as far as the picks and how we've been able to make things work. Uh As far as Dynasty went, obviously things were a little hairy. Sadiq Youssef not able to get the dub for me. Cameron Simon Not able to get the dub for me, but Tainara Lisboa and Michelle Pereira pulled through while on your end. Jonathan Martinez came up big time, but obviously he was fighting Adrian Yanez. So that even things out a little bit for you at least. Of course, Christian Rodriguez came up big for you. Edgar Charez unfortunately wasn't able to fight. So that one didn't count towards anything. And then Petrovsky gets laid the fuck out ski. But two and two on the official books for both of us. Right now, I've got a three-point cushion sitting at 29, 15, and one, while you sit at 26, 18, and one. So that is our recaps. That is our standings for dynasty and head-to-head pick-ems. Got a lot to look forward to, right? UFC 294. Can't wait to do that preview show with you and r- look forward to what is an awesome lineup of fights, man. I was looking at this card earlier. We've been so hype about 295 and 296. This is the low-key banger, right? This is the perfect been...
1: prequel. It's a perfect
0: exactly. Prequel. We haven't been hyped about. Let there be light. That We got light shutting off here. It's amazing, <laughs> but you'll love to see it. Automatically uh, Before time. you know it, we will be back on with ufc 294 previews but until then sean let the people know where they can find you
1: oh if you're still around you can find me at sean negro 26 on twitter and BSReports.org. uh you can find me there and you know if you ever want to get started with your sports career like chris is going to do eventually you can reach out to me anytime and i will help you any way possible i don't care what the job is what you want to do where who when and whenever i will do it and uh i'll help you
0: yes sir he is a man of many talents who is winning willing to do whatever make sure you follow me on twitter and TikTok tock negron mma chris negron underscore on instagram most importantly ots media co on youtube OTS Media on all social media platforms. We'll catch you guys next time. And until then, remember, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going through anybody, make sure you ask their significant other first. We'll catch you. Peace.